Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline and delighted you're along for the ride on this Football Friday. Looking ahead to the NFL's version of the Final Four. And as I opened the show by saying today, you cannot ask for more. If you're a football fan, you can't ask for more than this. I'm thinking back, and, and I don't mean to make this as this kind of personal, but I'm thinking back to sitting on a television set in a studio in Bristol, Connecticut in April, in May, in June, when there were no sports being played in America, and thinking to myself, if we could just get anything, and forget the fact that I work in the industry, if I could as a fan get anything to watch, the idea that they would play every game of the NFL season and that we'd be sitting here today where we are with everything on schedule and we would have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen getting set to play two games Sunday for the right to go to the Super Bowl, you would have cried tears of joy as a sports fan. And so I'm going to soak it all in and be grateful to have it because it's certainly not something that we were guaranteed or in an honest moment, I would tell you, not something I expected. But as I have told you many times, I approach everything from the standpoint of a fan. Yes, I've been a sports journalist for a long time, but that has never changed the fact that that in my heart, I'm just a fan, just a fan of my teams, the way you're a fan of your teams, and I'm a fan of the sport, and I'm an admirer and appreciate uh, what it takes to get there because I've had the chance to see a lot of it up close and personal. So I'm a fan. And so here's what I'm interested to know. If you are a diehard fan of the New England Patriots, If the Patriots are to you what the Jets are to me, for example, are you rooting for Brady Sunday? I have to believe the answer is yes. I have to. And while there is no universality to those sorts of things, it has been my experience that for the most part, there's very little wavering on this stuff. I have to believe you're rooting. Brandon, what do you think? Am I right? Brandon's sitting here with me every day. Brandon, like, like I am a Jet fan, we don't have any similar comparison. I will say this. The closest I ever got to it, I guess, when Darrell Revis was in the Super Bowl as a Patriot, I was rooting against all the rest of them. But I was rooting for Revis. I was happy for him because he was such a great player and I liked him. Multiply that by a trillion, and that's what Brady was to the Patriots. So I have to believe that you are rooting for Brady if you're a Patriots fan. I think I would be. Now, I've gone through this a couple of times. I got a lot of people mad at me. Everyone yelled at me a year and a half ago when I said when Kawhi Leonard signed with the L.A. Clippers, I said when he comes back to Toronto, if I'm a fan of the Raptors, I'm going to wear out a lung booing him. Yeah, he brought us a championship, but he left of his own volition for no obvious reason. Could have easily stayed and continued to win. He leaves. There's no earthly reason why I'm cheering him. Yeah, he won us a title. All good. Thank you. Seems like a pretty good transaction. And so even if you disagreed with the booing part of it, which maybe I was doing a tad for effect, there's no way in hell if he got back to the finals, I was rooting for him. No way. In fact, I think if I was a fan of the Raptors, I would have loved it last year when he blew a 3-1 lead and lost to the Nuggets. So that's the way I would have viewed that situation because our relationship didn't last very long. We had a cup of coffee together. He played with us one year. All good. Transaction's fair. I'm not mad at him. I certainly don't criticize him for going where he wanted to go, but I'm not giving him a standing ovation when he comes back, and I'm definitively not rooting for him. Now, there's some other examples of this I can think of. Favre in Green Bay. 
Favre to Green Bay equals Brady to New England. Do I have to believe that when Favre, particularly when he was on the Jets, that in Green Bay you were rooting for him? When he goes to Minnesota, now all of a sudden he's in the division, maybe a little less. But in your heart of hearts, if you're a Packer fan, and he's playing the NFC Championship game as a Viking against the Saints, I believe you're rooting for him. I believe you want to see Favre win. I have to believe that. The Bulls and Chicago and Michael Jordan. I, of course, was there for most of Jordan's run as a Bull in Chicago. And he then, of course, retires and comes back as a Wizard, a Washington Wizard. And I remember that first game when he came back. His first game back in Chicago was the same day as a Bears playoff game. And I remember all the conversations. I was working at ESPN. I wasn't in Chicago anymore at the time. But I remember having a lot of conversations about that day. And I said it then, and I'll say it again. If you were a fan of the Bulls, and you did not stand and cheer for Michael Jordan when he walked back in that arena, then they absolutely should have taken your tickets away. Just take the tickets away. You should never be allowed back in the arena. Michael Jordan was to the Chicago Bulls every bit what Tom Brady was to the Patriots. I was about to say even more, but it's kind of hard to say more. I'm not sure how much more you could possibly be. Now, one way or another, I am interested in that. If you're a Patriot fan, are you rooting for Brady? Is there any part of this that is just tearing you apart? Or are you able to just sit back and say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to root for the guy. I'm still rooting for my team, but they're not in it. It's not not like I have to root for them in the Super Bowl against Bill and the Patriots. So I have to believe if you're a Patriot fan, you are rooting for Brady. Here's where it gets even more interesting. What do you think Bill thinks of this? In an honest moment, what do you think Bill thinks? Brandon is shaking his head at me. He thinks he's rooting against Brady like crazy. I don't know. I don't know Bill that way. I have been around him a little bit. I have had the chance to see him a tiny little bit away from the podium, where he is always so incredibly, well, I was about to use the word measured. That doesn't begin to tell the story. He's obviously way more than measured. I wonder in an honest moment what Bill really thinks of this. And, and what he's rooting for. He'll never tell you. And when people say you have to wait for the book, ain't going to be a book. Bill's not writing a book. I will be shocked if Bill Belichick ever writes a book and tells you how he really feels about stuff because that's just not how he is. I don't think he really cares what anyone thinks and certainly doesn't care enough to write a book about it. If he wrote a book, I think it would be either about football Or maybe like about naval history. (laughs) That's the stuff that he's interested in. Or maybe lacrosse, which he loves. I don't think he's ever writing that book. But the one thing that is beyond debate is that if Brady should find himself with two more wins in the next couple of weeks, he will be one up on Bill. And you just heard Jeff Darlington say he thinks he's got, Brady has at least two more years left in him. And that means that's something Bill's going to have to chase. Remember when Shaq left L.A., went to Miami, won a championship, suddenly he had four and Kobe had three, and then Kobe one-upped them. And if you think that wasn't a big deal to them, you're out of your mind. And I think it'll be a big deal to these guys too. So we'll see. I think Bill has a minimum of five more years left to coach. He's 68 years old now. He'll be 69 in April. In an honest moment, I'd be fascinated to have that conversation with him, and I'm pretty confident no one will. 
Coming up, I will explain how I told you four months ago how this weekend was going to turn out. That and more on the way to Busy Friday. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Previously on Greeny. I'm going to say the last thing you were expecting to hear. If there is a big shot to be taken late in a playoff game, and my options are those three guys, I want Kyrie Irving taking that shot. I want Kyrie taking that shot well ahead of James Harden and even ahead of Kevin Durant. That was me earlier this week as we present our weekly rewind. It's been quite a remarkable week and obviously a lot of football conversation, including so many members of the legendary Buffalo Bills teams with the Bills back in the conference championship. And we had Derek Brooks from the Buccaneers and we've talked a lot of football. And that is our weekly rewind, which is brought to you by Dell. New year, new budgets. Dell Technologies Advisors give you real time tailored advice. Plus, right now, get big savings on select business computers with Intel Core processors. Call 877-ASK-DELL. However, as of this moment, I can tell you that those are not going to be the things that we remember from this week of sports. We have waited uh, for some time now to confirm this news. And if you are not one who is already aware, then um, permit me to say that I'm very sorry to be the one to report that we have lost an icon. We have lost an American legend. We have lost one of the greatest heroes and greatest gentlemen in the history of American sports. Hank Aaron has died today at the age of 86. He is one of the great baseball players that ever lived, and he's one of the most important people that ever played the great game of baseball in our country. Uh, Buster Olney is ready to go with me here for some perspective, and we'll continue to make some phone calls. I have sent a few texts out. Uh, again, this is something that has been on uh, Twitter now for the last few minutes, but and to credit to our assignment desk, our news desk, we wanted to make sure that we had it uh, confirmed. And so now, again, I am sad to report to you that it is confirmed that Hank Aaron has died uh, at the age of 86. Uh, Buster Olney, uh, where do we begin? How, how do we begin to try and put into words today what Hank Aaron means to baseball and what he means to the American sports culture? Well, you can start with the numbers, of course. The, the fact uh, in spring of 1974, he became baseball's all-time home run leader when he hit in, in the matter of just five days. Uh, his 714th and 715th home runs, passing Babe Ruth. He would finish his career with 755, and you know that was a record that would stand for uh, 30 years after he retired. But he was obviously so much more than that. You know, I'm paraphrasing what Vince Scully said the night uh, that Aaron passed Ruth. And he talked about how how a, a black man passed a white man for baseball's re- most revered record while playing a game in the South, in Atlanta, hitting that home run off Al Downing of the Dodgers. Um, and that, you know, I think for, was something that 
for years and years and years, it took him uh, time to process. A few years ago, he was in the booth with Tim Kirchin and Eduardo Perez. Uh, I think also Carl Ravitch was in the booth. And after, you know, he spoke with such joy on the broadcast, I talked with Tim and said, wow, he just seems so happy. It's almost like, you know, the difficulty of those years leading up to when he passed Babe Ruth, it took him a long time to process. And Tim said, that's exactly what happened. Like he, there wasn't a lot of joy in those last years of journey because of all the, you know, the threats and the racism um, that he was a, the, a subject of. And it's only in retirement that he can look back on his life and draw joy uh, out of his time uh, passing Babe Ruth. Honestly, that when he hit that home run to pass Babe Ruth, it is one of my first sports memories. I was six years old when that happens, and that happened. And I remember the day, and I remember the reaction, and I remember all of the the, the story that swirled around. And it's one of the first memories I have in sports. In fact, uh, you want to hear how? But I have it here. Let's let's hear Vince Gully calling that. This is April eighth, nineteen seventy four. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. What a call. I mean, what, what an extraordinarily call, extraordinary call from Vin Scully there. And, um, you know, Buster, we can talk about the significance of Aaron as a cultural figure, and we will do that endlessly. Can we talk quickly about him as a ball player? Because... He that those are things that sometimes I think get forgotten because he became so much larger than that. But Hembo sent me a slew of numbers here. I mean, Buster, let's talk about Hank Aaron as a ball player first and foremost. An incredibly well-rounded player, someone who, um, you know, was just a metronome of power. You know, year after year after year, hitting 40 homers. He actually, you know, while building toward that record of 755, he never hit more than 47 homers in any season. But he also was a great defender. And he was a terrific base runner. You know, he helped the Braves uh, win the World Series in 1957. Um, I've always thought of Willie Mays being the greatest major leaguer. I think Hank Aaron would be in the top three. You know, he's someone, when you would see him in person in retirement, it reminded you, this was, you know, baseball's greatest slugger uh, was not a large man, but he had these unbelievably strong and quick wrists. And you would hear stories from his peers, from Bob Gibson, from Sandy Koufax, others talking about how, how dangerous it was to pitch him inside because of how quick those wrists were. He was a terrific all-around player. That came in part from batting cross-handed when he was growing up and yeah. when he played in the Negro Leagues, and that helped produce incredible hand and wrist strength. And I can, I can tell you two other quick things as far as him as a player. If you took away all 755 of his home runs – he would still have 3,000 hits. He's the only member of the 500 home run club in baseball history who can say that. And of him, here's another note. Hembo is just sending me notes left and right, and it's, it chokes you up. Muhammad Ali once said of Hank Aaron, he's the only man I idolize more than myself. 
That was Muhammad Ali saying that of Henry Aaron, whom we lose today at the age of 86. Buster, thank you for jumping in here, my friend. I appreciate it. I know you'll be busy all day long trying to put this into perspective, as will I. We, we will obviously cancel everything else we were planning on doing on the show today. I will come back in just a moment, and we will talk at great length. I will tell you two stories. I have two personal stories about Hank Aaron. He, he is what a gentleman he was, what an incredible ball player he was, what an extraordinary life he lived. Hank Aaron has died at the age of 86, and we will have complete coverage coming up in just a moment. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. I'm Greeny. I am live every day with you here from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. And as you may hear in my voice, it is a sad day in America. And, you know, we had a thing on Mike and Mike where we used to say when someone lived to be 86 years old and accomplished as much as Hank Aaron did, that when they would die, that we would try and make our show a celebration of their lives as opposed to a day of sadness. Obviously, we mourn the loss of, of a legend. The legend doesn't even begin to tell the story of an icon, of a person who was as important to the culture of the United States of America as just about any athlete that ever lived or ever could. The circumstances of his life could never be repeated. It will never happen again. There will never be another Hank Aaron. He will never be forgotten as long as long as forgetting a baseball, as long as there is America, he will be remembered. And um, so I would like to celebrate a life lived long and extraordinarily well. Uh, And yet I cannot escape the fact that I feel a real sadness right now. And part of that might be that I'm a child of the 70s. And I was just telling Buster, if you were not with me a few minutes ago, that I think if, if you ask me to, to tell you the first thing I remember about sports, I, right there, I mean, I, I can't put all the dates together in my head, but Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record was just about the first thing that I can remember. And he was larger than life. You know, the O. Henry candy bar wasn't named after him any more than the baby Ruth was named after Babe Ruth, but I always thought they were. In my childhood, I thought Babe Ruth had a candy bar and Hank Aaron had a candy bar. Turns out I was wrong on both counts. But Hank Aaron was that famous. He was candy bar famous. He was Happy Days famous. I remember the episode of Happy Days that he came on with the Fonz and Richie Cunningham. He was that kind of famous. Because he was that kind of important. To start telling the story of his career by talking about what he the numbers that he put up, the things he accomplished as a baseball player just doesn't feel right to me today. It doesn't, it barely feels to me like it's even high on the list of the most important stuff. Hank Aaron in 1952 was 18 years old. He left Mobile, Alabama with two sandwiches and $2 in his pocket. And he went on to live a life that touched 
hundreds of millions of people and made a real dent. I'm just the wrong word. It made a real mark in the racial dynamic of this country at a time when we are sitting here and discussing with great discouragement how much that remains a part of our culture today. Hank Aaron did that in 1974 in an entirely different world and an entire different country than we did today. He is a man who received death threats simply because he was a black man about to break a record that is cherished and was cherished and held by a white man. And that was Hank Aaron. That's the most famous thing about Hank Aaron. But it barely begins to tell the story of the grace and the class and the brilliance of his career and his life. I know I'm sort of talking all over the place here, but it's hard to organize your thoughts when things like this happen immediately and it feels so personal and important. I'd like to tell you two quick stories. And we're waiting. Timmy Kirchner will join us. When, when things happen like this, there's no one whose perspective historically I'd like better than Timmy's. But the first time I ever met Hank Aaron, I didn't even really meet him. But I was a kid and I was covering my first baseball all-star game. So this was in the early 90s. I was probably 25 or 26 years old. And they sent me to the all-star game in Baltimore. What year was the all-star game in Baltimore, Nuno? Whatever year it was, at Camden Yards was a brand new ballpark. Whatever year that was. I was in Baltimore, 93-ish, I'm guessing. And I was in a restaurant by myself. I wanted to go get crab cakes. It was 93. Thank you, Bubba. So this is July of 93. And I, I was in Mar- I had never been in Baltimore before. And I wanted to get crab cakes. So I went to a restaurant by myself. And I was sitting there, you know, 25 years old, thrilled out of my mind to be covering the baseball all-star game. And I'm sitting there in a nice restaurant. And all of a sudden, the entire room goes silent. And if you're old enough to remember the E.F. Hutton commercials where everyone would go quiet and everyone's head turns in one direction, Hank Aaron walked in the door. He walked right past my table. He was with a group of people. And I was struck, among other things, by how big he wasn't. He was not a big man at all. And he went and he sat down. And I remember so vividly the way everyone reacted to him. And I remember so vividly how gracious he was to everyone who came over, which parenthetically I did not. I didn't want to bother him sitting at a table. This was at a time before cell phones, so no one was taking selfies. So it was back in the day when everyone wanted autographs and he was signing napkins left and right. People are walking over to the table and handing him napkins. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of my first brushes with greatness. You know, I'm privileged now as a, as a person who's worked in this industry for 30 years. I've been around practically every hero I've ever had. But at that time, it was still very new to me. And I'll never forget seeing Hank Aaron walk by and just sitting there eating my crab cakes and staring at him the entire time because he was larger than life. He was he was bigger than sports. Then I did meet him many, many years later. What year did the movie 42 come out? The, the, the Jackie Robinson movie. Um, whatever year that was with Chad Bozeman. When that movie came out, that movie was produced, at least in part, by Walmart, 2013. So this was 2013. And Walmart had a hand in the production of that. They financed the movie. They were somehow connected to that movie. And Walmart does these events on Saturdays at their headquarters in Arkansas, where they bring people in to do a bunch of different business presentations. 
And they happened to bring me and Nomar Garcia Parra in to do a presentation that had nothing whatsoever to do with this movie. It was about something else entirely. It was for Scott's, the turf building, you know, the, the lawn company. So I just happened to coincidentally be there. And the other people who were there were the stars of that movie. And it was Harrison Ford. It was Chad Bozeman. And they brought in Hank Aaron. Because, of course, Jackie was no longer alive. And they brought Hank Aaron to help talk about his friendship with and, and, and just tell the story of Jackie Robinson. And I got this incredible opportunity. We sat in a room. It was Nomar Garcia Parra and me, Harrison Ford, Chadwick Boseman, and Hank Aaron. And we sat in a room for probably 45 minutes. And look, Chadwick Boseman was not that famous yet. That movie hadn't come out. So most people had never heard of him. And it was long, long, long before Black Panther. So it was nice to meet him. But he wasn't a particularly famous person. Harrison Ford, obviously, is an American legend, and he was Han Solo, and he was Indiana Jones. But I can tell you, I will always remember that as the day that I met Hank Aaron. And I got to sit and talk with him, and I asked him a million questions. And I can tell you, so this was 2013, so it's almost seven years ago. So he was in his late 70s, probably 79 years old, 78, 79. His recall was unbelievable. He remembered pitches that he hit he remembered players he played against he told us he sat and told us because we were there talking about Jackie he told Jackie Robinson stories you wouldn't believe I didn't ask him anything about the chase for Babe Ruth I didn't ask him that I assume those are stories he's told a trillion times I also didn't ask him anything about Barry Bonds that was right around the time that Bonds had broken the record the all-time home run record under such controversy And I do recall the enormous class and grace with which Hank Aaron handled that. But getting to sit with him, I can tell you that when I retire from this business someday, which I hope is a long way off, if you ask me to make a list of the five greatest thrills I ever had in this business, that will never be knocked off the list. Never. To sit as a a child of the 70s, And, of course, people who are a little older than me, like Timmy, who will join me here shortly, who will remember him in the 50s and the 60s. But as a child of the 70s, who I I, when Hank Aaron broke that record, I they're just if you're too young to remember it, there's really no way for me to describe how important a person he was. But he was important in a way. I, I guess the comparisons I would make now would be like Tiger Woods, LeBron James. He was that famous. And um he was such a gentleman. I remember his, he was soft-spoken. And of course, he was, he was an old man when I sat with him that day, as I say, 78, 79. So I can't speak to um, what it was like to be around him and his dynamic quality when he was much younger. But at that time, he was very soft-spoken. But let me tell you, you leaned forward in your chair as he talked, and everyone was listening. I mean, Harrison Ford is leaning forward in his chair and listening to these stories. You could be hand solo all you want. This is Hank Aaron. And and he just told one great story after another, again, remembering pitches that he hit and players that he played against and games that he played in and all time great. And there's, there's no there's no way to describe his greatness. So I have a sheet. I can read you a sheet of his baseball accomplishments. And that that will tell you a little bit of the story. Hammering Hank Aaron debuted with the Milwaukee Braves in 1954 at the age of 20. 
was the National, National League's MVP in 57 as the Braves won the World Series. He played in two World Series in his career, 57 and 58, led the National League in home runs only four times in 57, 63, 66, and 67. He hit 40 or more home runs in a season eight times, won two National League batting titles. Think about that. He's an all-time home run hitter who won the batting title twice. He led the National League in RBIs four times. He won three gold gloves. April 8th of 74, again, as we played you before. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. On that day, he broke Babe Ruth's record, which was at that point without competition, without any close second, the most revered and important record in American sports. He was traded from the Atlanta Braves to the Milwaukee Brewers following the 74 season. He made the All-Star game every year from 1955 to 1975. He remains second in baseball history and career home runs. He remains the all-time leader in RBIs. He remains the all-time leader in total bases. He's third all-time in career hits. He went into the Hall of Fame in 82. He's third, as I tell you, in hits. Pete Rose and Ty Cobb, the only players ever with more hits. He held the home run record for 33 years. He's one of three players in history with at least 700 career home runs. Of course, Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth are the others. 6,900 total bases in his career. By far the most of all time. 700 more than the man in second place who was Stan Musial. And again, the all-time leader in career RBIs, 2,297. So those are the stories. Those, that is the story. Those are the numbers of Hank Aaron's career. Of course, his career is defined by a lot more than that, and it is impossible to remove the, the racial component of, of the story from the man because it was such an incredibly important part of the story. And the role that he played in our culture based upon that, the class, the dignity, it's almost impossible to fathom. You know, we talk a lot about what Jackie Robinson must have gone through in the 40s and the 50s, and of course, well-deserved. It is, it is, that's the stuff of legend. And many years later, a full generation later, Hank Aaron receiving death threats because he was going to break Babe Ruth's record. So that's a huge part of the story today. And, and the player that he was and the man that he was, it's just kind of hard to put it more into words than we've done. Hembo keeps sending me all of these different notes here. I told you that if you took away the 755 home runs from Aaron's career total, he would still have had 3,000 hits. There is no other member of the 500 home run club who can say that. He was quoted as saying, I don't want them to forget Babe Ruth. I just want them to remember me. He certainly accomplished that. His name will be remembered literally forever. As long as there is an America, his name will be etched in stone in our nation's history, not because he was a great ball player. We've had a lot of great ball players. He was much more important than that. I told you Muhammad Ali once said of Hank Aaron, he's the only man I idolize more than I idolize myself. When he retired, he was baseball's all-time leader in at-bats, in home runs, in RBIs, in extra base hits, and in total bases. He's a man who hid under his bed. I'm just reading you notes that are being sent to me as we speak. So if they seem to sort of not all, if they seem non-sequential, it is because they are. 
He grew up hiding under his bed as a kid when the KKK would come to his neighborhood. He grew up batting cross-handed and continued to do so even as he played into the Negro Leagues, which he credited later with producing his incredible hand and wrist strength, which is why he said, quote, I looked for the same pitch my whole career, a breaking ball, all of the time, because I never worried about the fastball. They couldn't throw it past me. None of them. (laughs) Kurt Simmons, a pitcher, said, trying to sneak a pitch past Hank Aaron is like trying to sneak a sunrise past a rooster. So that's Hank Aaron. And again, the story, the legend, Henry Lewis Aaron, greater than the sport, but forever synonymous with the sport. I I look forward to seeing what some of the tributes Major League Baseball will pay to him will be. As their season begins, they'll be in spring training soon. And I think it is safe to assume that Major League Baseball will honor Henry Aaron in any number of meaningful and I'm sure appropriate ways. No sport does their own history better than baseball does. And Hank Aaron is as important a part of baseball history as any player that ever lived. Any player that ever lived. In fact, I think you could say that there is no player in any American sport, the history of American sports, more important to the history of their sport than Aaron. I'm not putting him at number one. There's no way to try, and and this is hardly the time to be, you know, having a debate over anything. But when you make a list of the most important athletes in our country's history, Hank Aaron is on it, no matter how short the list is. It's a list that's going to have Ali on it and Jackie on it and Michael Jordan on it. And we can start talking about who else belongs on it. There's other people. Important I'm talking about now, not just greatest but most important. And Aaron's on it. He's 100% on it. That's who we lose today at the age of 86. And so if you're too young, you know, one of the things that I feel like has happened a little bit um, is that I I think in the age of the internet, um, to a large extent, a little bit of an appreciation for the history of the sports has started to slip away. Because I don't know that we just sort of sit around. We don't learn things by sitting around and hearing them from older people. But my understanding of sports, everything I think I know about sports, every, every instinct that I've ever had when it comes to sports came from growing up with parents, and in this case particularly my father, who lived and died with sports. And we talked about Hank Aaron all the time. And he told me the stories of Hank Aaron, and, and, and that's how I learned about him. So this is an excellent day. If you don't know a lot about Hank Aaron, an excellent day. I suppose you could sit and listen to people like me talk about it. You could watch ESPN where I have no doubt there will be um, a sensational array of obituary and other remembrance and interviews and others of Henry Aaron. But it's also a good day to take that Internet and put it to good use. Just Google Hank Aaron and read the stories. Read what he lived through. Read what he had to deal with in order to just play baseball. Read what the world he lived in was like and how different it was from the one that we live in today and the one that we'd like to live in, all of us together. Learn a little bit about Hank Aaron if you don't already know it. He's a man who deserves it. And he deserves to be remembered forever. Not just because he's one of the handful of greatest players of all time, but as I've been discussing for a variety of other reasons, well beyond that. Again, I was hoping to get Tim Kirkchin in here today, and, and, and obviously everyone is, is busy right now with 
um, with, with different work. And, and I think Timmy is on TV talking about this right now. And, and so I don't know. Th- oh, we do. Okay. I have a moment. I'm so happy to have a moment here with Tim Kirkshin who joins me. Uh, Tim, you know that I've said to you a million times, there's no one whose historical perspective I appreciate more on the game of baseball than yours. How do we begin to put into words? I've been doing my best to do it here. How do you put into words what Hank Aaron means to the game of baseball? Well, obviously, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Take away all his home runs, and he still had 3,000 hits. One of the great defensive right fielders of all time. One of the great clutch hitters of all time. But way more important than that, Greeny, was the way that he carried himself with courage and grace and dignity through the chase of Babe Ruth in 1974 especially. Racism, hate mail was unbelievably terrible and yet he fought his way through that and never never held it against anyone as he moved forward never angry never bitter let me tell you greeny how revered he was aaron boone our pal went into a aaron boone grew up in baseball he knows everybody he can talk to anybody about anything he went into an elevator with hank aaron at the all-star game in 2014 and stood right next to him and booney couldn't even speak. Mm. He was so much in awe. I said, Booty, why? He goes, it's Hank Aaron. And that's all you have to know about him. Craig Council told me a similar story when he was working in the Brewers front office. They asked him, Hank Aaron asked him to come out of the crowd and speak at a function on stage. And Craig Council was thinking, I can't go up there. That's Hank Aaron. <laughs> And Hank Aaron wanted to ask him about what it was like to grow up in Milwaukee and make it to the big leagues. And Craig Council was thinking to himself, oh, my gosh, Hank Aaron is asking me questions. This can't be happening. And, and Greeny, I've covered baseball for 41 years. The highlight of my entire career was when I did a game with Dave Fleming and Eduardo Perez right next to Hank Aaron, four innings. Sitting next to that man, he could not have been kinder, gentler, funnier. It was absolutely the highlight of my entire career. And the next day on Twitter, somebody wrote, he said, if you ever meet anyone in your life who looks at you like Tim Kirkchen <laughs> looked at Babe Ru- and looked at Hank Aaron, you need to marry that person. <laughs> that's how revered Hank Aaron was for me. And that's how revered he was for so many others that he ran into. Amen. Myself very much included. I could do this for an hour, but we're out of time. Timmy, thank you for jumping in here and sharing that story and many others. And I know you'll be all over ESPN the rest of the day doing it. Uh, Certainly stay with us here on ESPN Radio and across the ESPN networks on this very sad day where we celebrate the life of an all-time great man, Hank Aaron, gone at the age of 86. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio.